connected with her, sent her a message on LinkedIn. And then we're we're messaging back and forth. I'm like, it would be great to, you know, meet up. I saw you were in San Francisco. Maybe we'd get coffee. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I work at this WeWork Montgomery Street across the uh, Transamerica Bill. I was like, I work there, too. I'm on the sixth floor. And she's like, oh, I'm on the fifth floor. No way. Absolutely nuts. Like, just one of the craziest experiences. Obviously, I, I'm just like, wow, okay, well, let's meet upstairs for coffee. Welcome to Word Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I want you to join me. Word Stuff. stories casually told. What is up, folks? For this episode, you'll hear from Priyanka Sundar. She's the CEO and co-founder of an early-stage startup called 4PM. They have this clever tagline and name, get your 9 to 5 done by 4PM. Anyways, I reached out to Priyanka completely out of the blue because on her LinkedIn profile, her about section reads, Everyone has a different path. Mine was dropping out of college. Instead of a degree at 19, I landed a full-time role as a BDR at a high-growth startup, which is just too good for me to ignore, I think. So thanks for joining me, Priyanka. It's great to meet you. I would love to, you know, understand the background, but you want to start with like a little intro? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from the East Coast, a really small town outside of Boston, and I grew up playing sports, so I was a really competitive tennis player. And uh, I actually homeschooled to play tennis and, you know, wow. moved from Boston to Florida and played a little bit professionally and internationally, but I got a hip injury. So I had this moment in my life where I had to figure out what I wanted to do outside of just play tennis. And mm. um, so I... That's when, you know, I it was timely. I went to NYU um, for college and I just did not really like school sitting in a classroom. I think, you know, for me, I wanted to do something and, and I very quickly met a bunch of entrepreneurs just through like a program at school. And mm -hmm. I was just so inspired by all of their stories and you know, they were just going out there and innovating on some really interesting concepts. So I was given the advice to try to go to coding boot camp, ended up going to coding boot camp and just never came back to to school from there. I met a startup founder who was looking for an early sales hire and mm. just kind of kickstarted my SaaS career when I was 19. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. What were you studying in school beforehand? I was NYU. just doing liberal arts. Sure, sure. Yeah, just just feed feed me information. Let me figure it out. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Nice. I uh I definitely think back myself like on college and I think like, man, like, did I really know what I was doing? Like, did I get a degree that really led to a career? It wasn't journalism, so I guess maybe, but um, I don't think I was even really ready to jump into the world, like the real world, right? And try to find a job and make actual money and pay for my own expenses. That must have been a scary jump then. Oh, for sure. I had worked a few jobs before, but definitely when I got my offer um, from this founder, you know, my parents were obviously shocked. They were really gung-ho on me going to school and going to NYU. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I instead kind of took this different path. But my first job offer was really not exciting in any way, but it was a startup. And so I knew it was what I wanted to do. But obviously, living in San Francisco, you have bills to pay, you have really expensive rent out there. So my first year when I was in San Francisco, I actually lived in a hacker house. Oh, you wow. could think of it as an adult dorm room, nice. you know, bunk beds. And there's a funny enough, there's a bunch of engineers that lived at the hacker house that were making great money, you know, yeah. like you did not need to be at the hacker house, but yeah. It was like this social area where, you know, you could meet new people in the city. And so it was kind of fun for that reason. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that I had to do what I had to do early on. <laughs> when, you, when you say that, it makes me think of like in the social network when Zuckerberg is like going to the to Palo Alto and you have a house of coders and they've all got headphones on, you know, and they're, it's like a, or like uh, what's that show, Silicon Valley? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally like Silicon Valley. That's awesome. Honestly, very much like that. You would, you know, walk into the house and it was like a shared area, shared kitchen, and you'd have a bunch of coders just sitting on the kitchen table with their headphones on. And, you know, downstairs, there was a little basement area where people stayed up until like 5 or 6 a.m., I think, playing video games. And so Hmm. very much so that scene. That's funny. I have to assume you might have felt a little out of place uh, being there just simply because you were a woman. I, I my, my first guess is like there's probably all dudes, right? Like who've been on the computer coding forever. Did yeah. that was oh, that yeah. a little uncomfortable? Yeah, I mean, forty dudes, and I think it was three or four girls, three mm-hmm. or four girls. But it wasn't too bad. I think you know that's kind of the dynamic sometimes. You know, with with San Francisco and with text but it's it's slowly changing but you know it wasn't actually too uncomfortable i will say i think you know some of the the engineers there were just really fun and really nice and maybe overall i tried you know i I didn't like think about that too much because to me i was just excited to be in san francisco in the epicenter of tax Mm -hmm. so i was just trying to soak it all in but for sure you know there were less girls out there you know definitely so like, so walk me back, I guess, towards um, getting this first sales hire gig. Um, I'm, I'm in a similar seat myself, I guess. How'd you find that, that the role and what was the interview process for that like? And like, were you kind of like, I'll just take anything at that point? Or were you thinking like, you know, I need to find a certain type of opportunity? Yeah, I was. It was a combination. You know, I definitely in the interview probably played it differently. But yeah, no, I was. So what had happened was I was actually an office manager at the time. And I was really just, I wanted to get into something different and I wanted to get into tech, right? Into sales. I had just gone to coding bootcamp, but what happened to me at coding bootcamp was I was pitching my product and Mm. I was so nervous to go out and pitch my product, you know, to speak in front of people and to do that. And so to be a founder, you know, that's just an important skill, right? You've got to be able to distribute your product, talk about it, get it out there, pitch in front of people. And so I really, really, really wanted that experience. Um, So I was definitely looking for a role that was a bit more customer facing and sales oriented, something that where I could work at an early stage startup. But at the time I was, yeah, I was, I was an office manager. And so I remember with the interview process, I went to San Francisco. Well, actually I'll backtrack. I had a call with 
their, you know, chief marketing officer. And he told me he was basically on the phone like, well, it's it's that type of role where, you know, you're I you were going to come in. The hiring process is pretty quickly quick. But if you don't do well, we also fire really quickly. So I was I was immediately off the bat. Just right. like, Wow, this is intense. And the next conversation, I went to San Francisco, met with the founder and, you know, just connected well with him. He was you know, it was a cryptocurrency startup. So, mm. but a, a very good one. They're doing really, really well right now. They raised a mm. hundred million from Coinbase, but at the time they were bootstrapped. And, um, and so I went through an interview process with the founder, went through a couple more interviews with just more founders, um, you know, and the CEO, the president, uh, you know, everybody who I could basically speak with. And then I actually didn't get a call back. So I was super, at that point, I was really excited to join the startup itself because it was like a really nice WeWork in San Francisco. I really bonded with the team when I interviewed with them. So I think I called him four or five times after that. And then he finally calls me back on this Friday and was like, I was out of town, but you know, you seem like you really want this gig so you can have it. Right. (laughs) I was so excited that I actually just quit my office manager role on the spot. And then yeah. I was like, I can start next Monday. How do we do this? And then started next Monday. Wow. I love that so much. <laughs> it's such a great hustle story. You know, like go, go get the meeting that you want, right? Like go, go call them again and over and over until you get that meeting. Oh, for sure. For sure. And sometimes, you know, if you're just uncomfortable, maybe in the space that you're in, like for me personally, I just wasn't happy with that office manager role. I didn't really totally. love it. I didn't find any passion in it. And so I really wanted to to get into something different. And I think sometimes that just, you know, it sparks something in you, right? You just really want something. And so, you know, sure, pick up the phone, whatever. It doesn't matter. You could, you could make it happen. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, I was a f- former SDR myself, so I definitely know the value of just uh, picking up the phone, get, get your message across and just keep dialing. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So what was that, that first, uh, sales, like, I guess like your first entry into sales and it's like a new thing, like blockchain is this hot topic now. Um, there's probably like startups everywhere, probably talking about the same thing. Um, and, and, you know, there's, you know, you're, you're like the, the little David's going against, uh, Goliaths, right? So what, what was that like? Well, I think the biggest challenge initially was I didn't know much about blockchain, or cryptocurrency in it, yeah. of itself. So during the interview process, I was just studying and like reading the actual Bitcoin white paper and yeah. just really educating myself on the topic. And so it, it was also like a complicated space because what we were doing was security token offerings. Yeah. So essentially, you know, you you want to invest in maybe a startup, right? But the only way to get a return on that startup is the startup has to sell or the startup has to IPO. And so what we were doing was we were creating what was called these these STOs or security token mm-hmm. offerings where founders could fundraise through our platform. And yeah. instead of, you know, giving out, uh, you know, they gave out equity, but it was through a token that essentially mm-hmm. these investors could trade after one year. So it would become liquid a lot sooner than maybe a an exit or an IPO. Right. So Totally. Bit of a complicated space. I think that was the the biggest challenge early on was we had to learn about like SEC regulations around fundraising. Um, a lot of founders came to us 
to to kind of get educated about the topic as well. So, you know, we had to be experts in what we were talking about. So, yeah, that was probably the most challenging part initially. Yeah, I bet. I assume you were the first sales hire or you were the first sales hire, but uh, did that team grow out as well? And so, so then you kind of had an army follow behind you after that. Um, how did things kind of change as the as as that progressed? And then what were you kind of thinking career wise of like, oh, do I want to become like head of sales? Do I want to, you know, go into like account management or like, I guess, what, what was your career thinking as like the as you were starting to find a little more traction? I always knew I wanted to be a founder. So mm. for me, when even my intention joining the startup, and I believe I told the the CEO and the president, I said, you know, I really want to be a founder myself. So I want as much time with, you know, the founders yeah. as I possibly can get. And I think they totally succeeded at providing that experience for me because initially it was just me and the president who is, you know, a co-founder of the company, but we were in this tiny little WeWork office and it was a sliver of a table and it was me sitting right in front of him. And we were just on this one table. So I was doing calls. It was a little intimidating at, at first, but um, yeah, so I always knew I wanted to be a founder. And so I think for me, once we started hiring more people on the team, um, it just kind of became a thought process around, do I want to do this again? And I, I actually got another opportunity to be a first sales hire at this tennis technology company. So it oh. couldn't have been a better fit for me. And so mm -hmm. I ended up just doing that again. You know, I, I with interviewing with that team about, you know, one and a half years after I joined this other startup mm -hmm. and, you know, they were in a good position at that point. They had a sales team and a customer success team. And so things were were moving in the right direction. And I just had this like once in a lifetime opportunity with this like tennis technology company to also be first one of the first sales hires there. Cool. And and so I, I took that opportunity and but still wanted to be a founder. So, you know, it was kind of I think for me, I just wanted really early stage experience mm -hmm. um, because that's such a crucial part of growing a startup. Yeah, totally. Going from zero to one is so, so hard, but so valuable. Once you kind of get that, you kind of understand what, what it takes or, um, you know, what that looks like, at least it's not like this black box anymore. Totally. It is the grimiest part, I think, of the startup. And, you know, even uh, me coming in, even though I was first sales hire, there's just so much that happens earlier, too. Um, you know, so it is it's a really, really tough, challenging phase. But you know, you're you're doing it now. So I'm sure you're experiencing all of those, you know, the challenges, but it's also really exciting, right? Because you get to mm -hmm. in alongside the founder. Yeah, exactly. It's it's such a valuable experience. You start realizing like, oh, like nothing happens unless we go make it happen, right? Like this isn't going to be spoon fed or anything. It's like, no, we got to go seize the day every day, right? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I think, um, you know, you you learn so much just, I think, doing the, the early stage stuff because you're wearing so many different hats and, you know, the role is, even though you are for sales hire, I'm sure you experience something similar, but you're doing a lot of different things, right? Sometimes it's it's hard to describe like what that job description exactly mm -hmm. looks like because there's so many different things that you're you're doing, but, you know, all super valuable, I think, and just learning about how a company is built from the ground up. Yeah, I kind of the way I think about my role uh, right now at Doc is like 
I talk to people like, like I, someone externally needs to talk to us, support CS or sales, biz dev, cold, whatever it is. Like I go talk to other people about us, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's like the simplest way to put it, I think. That's yeah. super cool. So, um, with, with that first gig, you had to really go fight and, and find that and, and like, go, go get it for yourself. And it sounds like the second one, you had the chops to kind of be to kind of shop around a bit or at least someone came and found you uh, for that role is that the case so one thing that you know i knew i i had to do a little bit more because i left college was i kind of had to create a network a little bit you know for myself right because i didn't come out of school with you know uh, maybe like a, a bunch of people that i knew that were ready to give me roles so i actually while i was at the the job I was at, um, Securitized was the first company. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, just networked with a lot of people on LinkedIn. So I would just ping people if I saw a post on LinkedIn, if I saw like I had maybe a similar experience, if I saw like somebody play tennis in college or, um, or whatnot. And and so I, funny enough, it's a really crazy story, but I found this person on LinkedIn. She was, you know, she had wrote a book, but she played tennis at Pepperdine and she was you know, in sales and she was just crushing it. She was like writing a bunch of LinkedIn posts. They got a bunch of engagement. So I was really impressed. I was like, wow, like, who's this? Who's this girl? I want to connect with her. And so connected with her, sent her a message on LinkedIn. And then we're, we're messaging back and forth. I'm like, it would be great to, you know, meet up. I saw you were in San Francisco. Maybe we get coffee. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I work at, you know, at this WeWork across from the, you know, Montgomery, Montgomery building. And I'm like, oh, Mont- uh, Montgomery Street across the uh, Transamerica building. Mm-hmm. And I was I was like, I work there, too. I'm on I, I'm on the, the, the sixth floor. And she's like, oh, I'm on the fifth floor. No way. It, yeah, absolutely <laughs> nuts. Like just the, the craziest one of the craziest experiences for wow. me. So obviously I, I'm just like, wow, okay, well, let's meet upstairs for coffee. So we meet, you know, um, a week later and we talk, we really hit it off and just kept in touch. And and she ended up leaving that role, going to this tennis technology company to like help hire out the the sales team and to help build it. And so she, you know, reached out and then it, it just, you know, it worked out. That's incredible. Like you're like, chatting with someone over the internet and you're on the same ip address you know it's like right like connected Crazy. but also so far yeah a hundred percent and that's why that. sometimes like you know it's so hard to just like cold outreach and dm people but sometimes when you're networking and you're trying to meet people you know things happen like good things can happen and so mm-hmm. i think networking is just really really big yeah totally but when I found the job for Doc, it was just because I was connected with someone who was connected with Alex and I saw his LinkedIn post and I thought, I want this. Like, I'm going to message him right now and tell him why. Like everything, every idea that I had to go p- apply was like in my head right there. I might as well just like get it all out into a message right now, you know, when it's fresh uh, and it made all the difference. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'm, yeah, and I'm sure that made you stand out a little bit too totally. in the process. So yeah, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I guess these things happen and, you know, it's meant to be. That's awesome. 
so you're at this point now you're in the bay area and you're like in the ecosystem and you've got like three years of of early stage sales under your belt which is like hard to come by you know it's really impressive to have that so soon and then you're like okay i'm ready to be a founder what what was the process there did you like plan a lot of things out beforehand like while you had the last job and and i assume that you just kind of like we're ready for like a go button to, to hit um, and, and go launch something or, or what was the story? Yeah, I mean, that 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 sounds super ideal. Probably maybe like the right way to do it. I, <laughs> honestly, I so I had like saved up. Right. And at that point, I, I had a savings. I was definitely definitely knew I wanted to take the leap. But COVID mm-hmm. happened and I was at a party. Basically, and I, I had this friend who is just super, super smart. He's kind of like a mentor to me, but he got his PhD at Stanford and he ended up, you know, founding a company and it's it's doing really well right now um, in the AI construction space, you know, mm-hmm. for AI and the buzz last year. But he, you know, I, I told him, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to start a company. I'm definitely going to do it at, at this party. And he he goes, well, what what are you waiting for? And I'm I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to get more experience and, you know, then I'll do it. And then he was like, well, why? And I just didn't have the best answer at that point. I was like, well, and he's like, if you don't do it now, like, when are you going to do it? And then I was just kind of, I guess, shocked. I was like, well, I guess he's right, you know? And then um, I talked to a, a couple other people and I just took the leap. At that point, I was like, you know, COVID's happening. I just feel like if I'm not going to do it now, I guess, when am I going to do it? You know, I don't I don't really know like what the perfect time is, but why not? You know, just try to take the leap. And so I basically just, you know, that next week I I quit my job and it was a surprise, I think, to people on my team, for sure. It wasn't really something that I prepped anybody for, but I just Mm. said, you know, I, I think I need to do this. And yeah. So that was kind of just how it how it happened. That's awesome. I love that. So so you kind of had an idea of of what you might start at that point, and you're just kind of looking for, I guess, you need someone to kick you kick you into gear a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. That's awesome. I, I knew the idea I had at the time, but um, I totally right. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of it, it's similar to when you hear people, you know, they have kids. And then you're like, oh, well, when's the right time? Or, you know, did you plan this? And a lot of the times I hear people say something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, you can't really plan for this, right? right. Just, you know, you're just going to do it or you're not going to do it. So some things I think in life are like that. Yeah, I, w- I was going to bring that up because I have a two-year-old and um, it was actually around that time that you were like thinking about starting your own venture. We were uh-huh. like, well, you know, COVID's happening. Uh, we can't really go anywhere, anyways. Uh, you know, we can't go live uh, a like a, a non like a non parental life, anyways, right. out in the world. So, right, let's just try it now, and maybe it'll take two years to even um, get pregnant. And it was like right away, <laughs> like wow. okay, we're in this. <laughs> yeah, wow, uh, which was awesome. I'm glad that we just like. Yeah, like were we financially ready? Maybe not. Like I don't know, but um, it, like you're gonna wait for the perfect time to do something. Um, just gonna never, never happen, really. Yeah, right. And it's it's so true. Like, what is the perfect time? I guess yeah. you know it. It's unclear, right? I think if you're, it's like in your gut. If you feel like it's a good decision, 
sometimes you just have to go with that and make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, so what, what was that like? Um, you know, becoming a first time founder now and first time CEO. Um, do you want to describe like what the product was and what your vision was? Yeah. So I actually started a different product. So what got me mm -hmm. start getting into startups, and I, I think I have it on my LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. it's a company called Wurlix. And mm -hmm. it the idea was we wanted to create this social media platform where people with different perspectives could, you know, have conversations together. And that was the whole purpose. They could talk about different topics, different controversial topics. I and mean. I, yeah, I had the idea for quite a while. I, I think, you know, it was one of the reasons why originally I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I actually had the idea when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And um, I just like remember there was a situation where I was at NYU and it was after the election and my professor at the 2016 election and my professor stood up and he was like, anyone who voted for Trump is stupid. And obviously, you know, we don't have to make this podcast political. Right. I, I'm not like I have no, you know what I mean? It, it it wasn't really about the Republican, Democratic like that. It it was just more about I just felt like people should have a way to understand different perspectives a little bit totally. better. And, yeah. you know, maybe communicate about those issues a little bit better because, you know, there's two sides to every story and, and nobody's awful and nobody's like a horrible human being. Some people just have these different opinions, right? Mm -hmm. And and so uh, that was kind of a concept behind it. And yeah, it was starting it out, you know, as a as a first time founder it was challenging for sure. You know, it's it's there's a lot that goes into building something and bringing something to life. And so I certainly had a lot to learn when I when I first when I first started the journey a couple of years ago. And so mm -hmm. today, I love that I that concept. It's so true. Like I, I definitely think of myself as pretty progressive in general. And so, like after the 2016 election, I just remember thinking, like how I just did not understand the other other side at all. You know, I had no, I wasn't exposed to that thinking. I don't know whether it was my upbringing or my college education or whatever. Um, the world I surround myself in was an echo chamber, and so I definitely was like, how did this even happen? Like I didn't know this many people in the country felt this way. Uh, so I totally see the value in that kind of platform. It's, it sounds it sounds risky, but uh, bold, bold and um, and useful. Yeah. And I, it, yeah, exactly. I had like a similar experience where I, I like met people on all ends of the like political spectrum, I would say. But that's mm -hmm. definitely something I was just passionate about was like the idea that maybe people could have better conversations around these topics so that they could understand each other versus villainize each other. Because sometimes that happens, you know, you you get like stuck on this topic or this concept. And then instead of seeing each other as people with one opinion and that's it, there's so, so much else to a person. We just mm -hmm. kind of see the specific topic and that one opinion and we just define a person or a human being. And so, you know, everybody has probably a controversial opinion in their own head, right? That, you know, yeah. a lot of people would disagree with or would think is really crazy. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was the whole concept behind it. I, I was, you know, it was fun. Like we we got it up and running. I think the big thing was I was a solo founder. So mm -hmm. that yeah. that's rough when mm -hmm. you know when you're you're starting something by yourself 
definitely, you know, I was looking for co-founders. I was trying different websites. I was trying to, you know, message people on LinkedIn. But anyways, I mean, we ended up getting the app up and running uh, Mm -hmm. in 2021. And we actually got like a couple hundred debates on. We got like creators to come in and debate and talk about different topics. Um, But yeah, it, it just kind of got to a point where I was a solo founder. I was kind of drowning. I mm. was also just not a creator myself. Mm. And so it was, it, it got to a point where it was really hard to, you know, like build a really great product for somebody who isn't you, right? And, mm. and somebody who isn't like posting videos every day, for example. And so there was like some other challenges for sure with the business. But sure. ultimately, I decided to like take a really sharp pivot at that time and start looking at, you know, something that I knew about, which mm. was sales tech. Totally. Yeah. So now, now, so, so you're kind of like, okay, this, this universe, I understand a lot more. And now I know what it takes to, to start a company and, and launch something and go sell it for the first time when it just it didn't exist before. It was, you know, nothing before. Um, so I love that. So, so why don't you tell us about 4 p.m.? Yeah. So 4 p.m. is we're basically an AI powered revenue workspace. So what we do is we listen into sales conversations as another participant. And then instead of the the sales rep actually having to go in and take those notes on the call and then, you know, at 4 p.m., look at all their calls and update, you know, Salesforce with all this different information, we just map you know, different answers to questions asked on the call directly to fields in, you know, Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive, you know, just reducing the data entry tasks for for reps, which, mm-hmm. you know, I spent many hours on. Yeah, I feel that too. And, um, you know, I, I remember when I was in SDR in like 2017, 2018, and they rolled out Gong. And I remember being like, oh, no, they're going to listen to my calls now. Like they're gonna they're gonna play this back and I have to listen to them and like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this big brother coming in here. Right. Um, but you kind of need that. And then gong, then you're wasting time reviewing the call. You know, it's like you're gonna double you're doubling the time at least, right? To to go review everything and take your notes again or whatever. Um, so I totally get get that. It's that's great. Um, but I totally remember when Gong first emerged, it was like, oh, I don't want this thing, you know, get away from me. It's funny that you say that because I have a really similar perspective on it. I also was just not a big fan of the idea that this something is going to like record my calls because I remember, you know, we didn't have a huge budget for sales tools. Um, Mm -hmm. We did not purchase Gong, but what we did was we would record Zoom meetings occasionally Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, the CEO to review, for the whole sales team to review. And um, I remember feeling a little bit, you know, like, wow, they're yeah. asking me to record these calls all of a sudden. Like, what's going on? Um, but, you know, it's kind of like athletes, right? They watch their game back and they kind of, I guess you kind of change your perception about it instead of it being this worry of what did I maybe say wrong or what did I maybe, you know, not do right on the call. It's like a learning experience, right? Like maybe yeah. I could have done a little bit better here. Maybe I could have asked this question here and there. So, I mean, you know, Gong's obviously doing great. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're you're definitely filling a gap um, that that they have even even too. So, um, I'm definitely a believer. I'll have to I'll have to take a demo with Dak, huh? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you he he gives a great demo. I'd have nice. <laughs> nice. so for sure. We um, I think for us, you know, we just see like with AI, right? I think people have a lot of questions around what's going to happen with AI and how is it going to impact sales in the next five, you know, six years, maybe sooner. Um, but for us, we just see it as like sales reps are authentic humans, right? And that's like a part of what we do every day is like you said, right? Your role is talking to people. And that's a big, huge part of what we do and what we love to do every single day. And so we kind of just see it as how can you use AI to just automate the parts that suck, which mm -hmm. is the CRM admin tasks, just managing the CRM, you know, and so that's really what we're what we're trying to focus on is like, how far can we go in terms of, you know, automating the like manual operations of a CRM? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, and it's, so I see you've been um, it looks like in the market for a little over a year now. So actually, with 4 p.m., we launched the product on April 15th. What oh, ju oh, just now. Cool. Yeah. So just now, what we did for a while was it was just Dak and I last January. And at that point, you know, I just pivoted from, you know, Rolex, the, the consumer app. And so mm -hmm. we just spent a lot of time, honestly, iterating on different like concepts, taking Figma designs even mm -hmm. to sales leaders and sales teams, just trying to figure out and do our due diligence around what is a really painful problem in this space. And so we spent a lot of time just doing that. And then obviously, like we, you know, recruited our, our CTO, Edwin, who's awesome and just like a amazing AI engineer. And so, yeah, just spent a lot of time, I guess, last year, just iterating on like, well, what, what do we even like want to build and start in this space? And then started building in December and launched launched like a, a really hacky beta version in January. And then, you know, kind of did a more public beta launch, I would say, April 15th. Love that. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that it was that fresh. It's, it's super exciting. So we're, uh, yeah, like two months, two months fully into into the market. Yeah. I remember Dak was messaging me about um, reaching out cold, cold to people and like, how do you get people to reply and stuff? So he's he's figuring yeah. it out. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, right? We're we're doing all of that. We're trying to reach out to people and, you know, get the word out, you know, yeah. any way we can. So, yeah, we we do outbound. He does he does a lot for sure on LinkedIn, just, you know, talking to different account executives and mm -hmm. it's also great because, you know, you could sometimes just have a really great asynchronous conversation with somebody on LinkedIn just in yeah. you know, and DM people and you just learn a lot about, you know, what they're doing and maybe what what problems they have. Yeah, bingo. Love to hear that. Wow. So um super excited for you for you all. Um what um I guess what what kind of advice would you have for folks who maybe want to start their own company someday or want to join an early stage startup like you had done? Um anything you might share for someone in those kind of shoes? I think for sure. It would probably be, so if you want to join an early stage startup, I would say, you know, like it's such a hustle and I'm sure as you're experiencing. And so, you know, you should just be ready for a little bit of a just a crazy role that's going to have a lot of different responsibilities. And so it's definitely 
I think a lifestyle that you want to, you know, you have to think about before you jump into. But I think, you know, if you want to join a startup, I would say, you know, the best thing to do would just be to reach out to founders and, you know, people at startups. Like, I, I do think that, and you said you did this and and I kind of did this, but if you're proactive with mm-hmm. startups, it's always going to make you stand out because that's like what they're looking for, right? They, you know, don't, you don't need to go through and apply for the job and do like, of course, you know, you could do that. But I think a great way to stand out in the process is researching what the company does, researching the background, the story yeah. behind it, you know, messaging people that work at the company, you know, to to learn a little bit about it. And of course, if you're in the process, like be aggressive about, you know, your desire to join the company and like, you know, don't have to be like me. <laughs> you don't have to be super desperate, but you could definitely like do the, you know, cold call, yeah. like passage to CEO and founders. I, I think that what I've noticed, at least from the founders that I've met is, you know, they totally respect the hustle ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Like nobody, I think sometimes like we in our head as sellers or as people maybe applying to a job, like we're like, oh, like, is it too much to follow up? Like, should we, you know, should we, uh, you know, message a bunch of people right. in the company, right? You might overthink it, but don't because I think it just makes you stand out um, so mm-hmm. much. And then in terms of being a founder, I would say, you know, definitely just, I think the big thing is finding a team, honestly. Yeah. Like building a team is, I think, the biggest piece of advice I would give anybody that wants to be a founder is you you ultimately, that's like the big thing that you have to do is you have to get really smart people around a really specific problem. And you have to get them really passionate about coming into this this job every single day, making some sacrifices early on to go solve this problem and build something from the ground up. So I think, you know, networking with people in the space, like other founders and really investigating and thinking about, you know, the problem that you want to solve and why you're passionate about it. Because I tell a lot of people this. I think a lot of people think being a founder is, you know, start, throw out a product, see if it works. You know, it might take off in, you know, a few months, might not. Some people get lucky. Some people don't. But that's really just not how it is. There's so many founders I've met that have been building and building and building silently for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they build the right product and it hits. So you really have to see it as more of a, I think, a long-term career, like something that you really want to invest in for at least like five to eight years of your life Mm -hmm. instead of like a, where I meet a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I have an idea and... You know, I I think it's going to take off in the next few months. And, you know, I have like three months, you know, I want to really like put a lot into this idea. If it doesn't work, I'm out. And so that's probably not the best attitude to have if you're going to do this for a long time. Yeah, that's so true. Um, You know, like the way I I try to think of myself is like, um, you know, if Alex, you know, my CEO can't be in the room, then like I need to do what he would do, you know, or at least as close as I can possibly do you know like so as you're if you're a founder you need to find people that are can go be you in all these different areas you know as best as possible or better if you find if you're, that your expertise um it's kind of that's kind of what i would kind of describe an early stage um role like that yeah and i mean it seems like you know 
it's a great fit. It seems like you're you're doing great and you're you seem to like talk about the culture really positively. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that's a that's a big thing that, you know, you guys have created over there. Yeah, we're we're hiring for a second sales rep now. And it's funny because like, you know, I'm not the hiring manager, you know, or anything. It's like my decision or anything, but like I'm part of the discussion. And my number one checkbox is like, do you really want this? Like we don't have a RevOps team to go fix HubSpot when it breaks. You know, we don't have a, uh, a whole marketing team to go build all this collateral whenever you need to, or an HR department or a general counsel to answer these questions for, you know, it's like, you got to want this. <laughs> so that's like my number one oh, checkbox. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. I, um, you've just got to be a self-starter because you're so right. Like you just don't have resources, which is what I think like sparks that crazy creativity with yeah. startups, because if you have all those resources, then, you know, like we as humans, we just tend to go on autopilot a little bit, but because you don't have those resources, you just need to be a self-starter, be able mm -hmm. to kind of deal with that. But, you know, I, I'm sure for me, I love it. And it seems like you love it, but I'm sure there are situations where maybe, you know, some people don't like it as much, or it's a little bit more, you know, risky, intense, whatever. Mm -hmm. The uh, the SVB crash weekend was definitely not a fun weekend for us. So I was like, oh gosh, uh, what am I going to do here if things don't work out? You know, oh, that was yeah. a, a crazy weekend. Oh yeah, right. And that, that's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And there's probably so many more, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that was, that was, I would say a, a very extreme, like, right. yeah, that was super scary. I was, I knew some founders, like we we don't bank with SVB. So mm -hmm. for us, it was kind of just watching the action, like the chaos from the sidelines, but still right. really, really just, you know, I just can't imagine like if, yeah. if, you know, in that situation and for that weekend, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> for a while. And people right. were posting, recommending all these solutions and what the SVB would do. But, right. you know, you're just like sitting there in that unknown. It's definitely, yeah, yeah, not scary. Yeah, it was funny, like to have relatives reach out and say, oh, I know Andy does some tech thing or whatever. Let's see if this is affecting <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, it's affecting me. Like, yeah, this is squarely affecting me. Uh, oh. but we're okay, you know. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, all, all is resolved now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm super glad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this was um, an awesome discussion, Priyanka. I just have um, just a couple questions for you that are kind of like they're work related, but they're not like as like your background related. I'm mostly interested, um, like you kind of talked about how the pandemic affected um, your your work decisions and stuff or your career direction. I'm curious, like when the world went remote, did you sort of fall into a camp of like, oh, we should only hire remote or we should have an in-person in office or just do hybrid or something? Did you kind of fall into one of those three? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I actually, my second job, I was commuting from San Francisco to Palo Alto every day. And I was yeah. dying after a yeah. while because that commute is so rough and you know, if you know Bay Area traffic, it's it's really just not fun, right? You're <laughs> driving like an hour and a half each way. You spend mm -hmm. three hours in the car every single day. And, Crazy. You know, that's yeah, that's like 15 hours a week, right? That's like so much time in the car. And so I remember I requested my um with my team and I was like, look, I need to come in just hybrid two days a week and, you know, I'm going to perform still, right? Like I'm still grinding. And obviously I had a couple you know, it wasn't like I was new. So I had like three quarters to say, hey, like I'm it's not like I'm gonna, 
just mm-hmm. I'll do whatever. But I think that hybrid is probably the best yeah. um, method because I do think that fully remote is a little bit challenging because obviously that human connection is so great, right? Just to mm-hmm. be able to like talk to people in person. I do think there's a little difference from Zoom. Um, yeah. when you, you know, when you connect with somebody in person and you know, maybe it's something simple, you go to lunch or you talk about yeah. something in the middle of the day. But I also believe that there's like a balance. So that's why I would say hybrid. Yeah, totally. I think that's I think you're spot on. I think most most companies are gonna like enter that direction for sure. Offer that somehow. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Last question for you. I'm just curious if you have other podcasts that you might recommend that people listen to, or um, you know, whether it's work related or not. Just kind of curious what you might, what what you listen to and what you might recommend. Yeah. So I would. Okay. So there's the AI sales revolution. I I was just on that actually. Um, really cool. That, yeah. Like this is I. You know, I'm getting used to the the kind of podcast now. Um, because I I just like love the the conversation. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and so the AI sales podcast is another good one that just has some you know founders that are starting unique like AI you know sales technology companies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that are just like building in the space. Uh, taking the lead is another one. It's mm-hmm. just a woman in sales specifically. Cool. Um, yeah. So it just like highlights different you know um different like women in sales and their journeys and their backgrounds and how they got into sales. So I really like that with Christina Speckett. And then the other one I think that's really good is 20 VC. It's um, Harry Stebbings. Hmm. Okay. I'm not, I'm not I'm familiar. Heard. I'll check yeah, it out. Though. He's like started interviewing more popular um, or, or, you know, I would say like celebrities or, uh, you know, like politicians even, but he's hmm. a, really young venture capitalist and i think he's like 23 or 24 or something and he has like this you know uh multi-million dollar fund and so he just has like a really unique perspective and his podcasts are are pretty interesting so those are the three i would recommend love that great great suggestions haven't heard of those so i'm gonna check them out yeah yeah for sure awesome well, thanks so much. This is awesome to hear your background. Um, you know, I wish you you all the best of luck. I'm sure we'll we'll stay in touch uh, with each other. And um, you know, it's great, great to just hear your career journey. It's uh, super interesting. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining Work Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I thank you for joining me. Work Stuff, a podcast. Professional stories casually told on Work Stuff.